Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all today, and I'm excited that I get to start us off on this new series as we go into Christmas time. And as you have already guessed from all the previous times that I've spoken, I love to start off with a little rant, and so today's going to be no different. Um, so last time I was saying about the fact that it's really important for us to, you know, get our Bibles out and read along with the Scriptures as we're reading them as well. Um, and it's a really good practice for us to have because the Word is the truth. Um, but sometimes that isn't always possible and today is going to be one of those times where it would be really, really difficult to follow along with all the verses that I'm going to look at because I'm looking at one topic, one for counsellor, I'm going all throughout the Bible um, and so it's going to be really difficult to keep up with that. And so there's another practice which is really useful for us and something that I wish I took better control of and spent more time doing as well and that is taking notes. Um, and I know it's something that has really helped me in the past when going to different seminars and stuff like that to be able to take notes and actually it's a different way of learning and it really helps it just sink into our minds and into our hearts as well. Not only that, but also from now on our services are going to be recorded um, and they will be uploaded. There's an app which is available on both iTunes and the Play Store and so you can download that app and all of our sermons will be on there as well as the events that are going on in Rumney Chapel. And I really want to encourage you if you ever miss a Sunday or there's just something that was speaking to you on a specific Sunday, go back, listen to it again and just pray about it and say, God, will you speak to me through these words? And so... As Mike already read earlier in Isaiah chapter 9, um, but we're focusing in on verse 6. And verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know about you, but when we read from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is actually a prophet. And when I think of prophet, scepticism is the first thing that jumps into my mind. The word prophet, defined by the Oxford Dictionary, is a person sent by God to teach the people and give them messages from God. Another definition that I found states that a prophet is a person who predicts what will happen in the future. And that instantly puts me on edge. Um, because when I think of people telling predictions or thinking about things in the future I normally think you're wrong because normally they are right like there's three things that I think of uh, when I think of people telling predictions of the future the first is magicians and I've had some experience with magicians in the past in the fact that I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on it I've even learned some tricks myself and there's three things that stand out to me when it comes to magicians and that is it's all illusions it's all trickery and it's all deceitfulness which are three things that I don't think are good qualities to have the second thing when I think of predictions is predictive text and I don't know if you've ever got in trouble because of predictive text, but I know I have. I would love to share some of those this morning, but I'm not willing to put myself out on the line like that because I will get in trouble. Um, and the third people that I think of is those scaremongers. You know, the ones that say the world is going to end on this date. I actually did some research and I started, I was on Wikipedia and I started counting all of the um, prophecies about the end of the world. I was between 170 and 180 where Mike Thomas distracted me in the office and I refused to count them all again. But it's over 170 prophecies that the world is going to end and I can tell you one thing for certain, I'm still here. So I know that all of those times have been false. So I come, when it comes to prophecy, with scepticism. So why should we look at Isaiah in a different way? Well, First of all, the prophecies that Isaiah has made, and here's just a few of them, have actually come true. So in about 700 BC, so 700 years before Jesus Christ came to earth, Isaiah prophesied that Babylon would conquer Judah. This was in Isaiah 39, verses 5 to 6. 
And Isaiah's prediction came true 100 years later. Isaiah also predicted that Babylon would be conquered by another nation. This was in Isaiah 21 verse 9. And this prophecy was filled about 150 years after he made that prediction. And this one is the most bizarre of all because in Isaiah 44, 28, Isaiah makes a prediction that Judah would be able to rebuild Jerusalem. But not only that, but he would name the king that would set them free. And Cyrus, king of Persia, he did conquer Babylon and decreed that the Israelites could return to their homeland. And Isaiah predicted this 150 years earlier. And what I love even more about this book of Isaiah is I don't even have to trust Isaiah's credibility because I can trust in God's credibility because I believe that every single bit of text in the Bible, every bit of scripture is God's anointed word and I know that God is no liar and I trust his credibility. And so when I read Isaiah, I don't even have to trust the fact that he's got it right many times. I can trust the fact that God gets it right. When, in the, if we, when we look at the Old Testament, there's 108 prophecies about the coming of Jesus. And some mathematicians who clearly had nothing better to do with their time figured out that if someone was to fill eight out of 108 prophecies, that was, um, I'm not sure what this number is, 100 quadrillion, for just fulfilling eight prophecies out of 108. And then if they were going to fulfill 48 prophecies out of 108, that is 10 to the power of 157. And then one person fulfilling 108 prophecies, well, that can only be Jesus, right? Like, it's incredible that Jesus can fulfill all 108 prophecies when he was born. And that means I can trust the credibility of him. And so, as I said, we will be looking at um, this verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, over the next coming weeks. And it starts off with this, a child will be born to us. And I'm sure you've all figured out already, as it's Christmas time, that this person we are talking about is Jesus. And Isaiah wrote this 700 years beforehand and called him these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And today we're going to focus on Wonderful Counselor. And I need to make it clear to you that as you read the text, sometimes there will be a comma that separates these two words, Wonderful and Counselor. Um, And that is because in the original Hebrew, there was no such thing as speech marks. There was no commas and full stops and stuff like that. And so some people put them in. And by no means do I not think that Jesus is wonderful. I, I believe both of these things can be taken as being true. I mean, he created the universe in Genesis 1. He determines the stars and he knows them each by name, as it says in Psalm 147. He knitted me together in my mother's womb, Psalm 139. And he knows the numbers of hairs on my head, Luke 12, verse 7. So by no means do I ignore the fact that Jesus is wonderful this morning. But I do want to focus in on Jesus being a wonderful counsellor. And even more statistics that I looked at, but you don't need to know them to realise that actually in today's day and age, there is an increase in mental health problems that are going on. And people more and more are seeking counsel from either friends or families and even on the rise, professional counsellors as well, which thankfully studies have shown people are now finding more socially acceptable as well, which I think is a great thing because there's nothing wrong with us seeking advice. In fact, the Bible encourages us to do it. However, I don't want you to miss out because as believers, we have access to the most wonderful counsellor imaginable, Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure that we're not ignoring him. And so what is it about Jesus that makes him a wonderful counsellor? 
I could go on all morning, but there's just three points I want to make. Three C's, just to try and make it a bit easier to remember. I never thought I'd be able to do this before, but here we are. We've got three C's, and the first one is this. He is compassionate. What does that mean? Well, here's the definition for the word compassion. It's this. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So there's two key parts to this definition of compassion. The first is a response of sympathy towards the situation. And the second is a desire to alleviate it. Sometimes when we're going through a difficult time, a difficult situation, someone will come up to you and say, I understand what you're going through. It can seem so empty, especially if they've not been through that situation themselves. But this is where I see the beauty in the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth. Because in the scripture it says, in Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so when it comes to sympathy, that first part of the definition of compassion, we know this, that Jesus gets it, he understands, and he can relate to you. When you come to him in need of counsel, he knows your situation, he knows your heart, and he knows your minds. And because of this fact, verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4 tells us this, we should with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In fact, the greatest act of compassion that Jesus and God ever showed was this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you can find that in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The fact that Jesus would die so that we could live truly does go to show that God not only has a compassion, a sympathetic nature towards us, but also has a desire to alleviate that situation. Here are some questions for you this morning. I don't know, I don't want you to actually answer these, but have you ever been betrayed? He has. Have you ever been wrongly accused? So is he. Have people ever gossiped about you? Have you ever suffered physical pain? Have you ever been in physical need? Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever suffered loss? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever felt that you have reached the bottom and there is no way up? Well, guess what? Jesus understands because of this. In John 1 verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus, when he came to earth, God was fully human, just like you and I. He knows how mean people can be. He knows how rough life can get. So come to him because he understands your struggles. He has compassion on you and he desires to help you. So the first one is that he is compassionate. And the second thing I have for you this morning is that Jesus Christ, he is caring. And how do I know that? Because it's literally in the scriptures. It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it says, Cast in all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Some counsellors, they only care about one thing, right? Whether you can pay them or not. Whether you can pay the bill, but not Jesus. He cares about you as a person. He cares about your character. He cares about your spiritual growth. And he cares about your emotional welfare. He cares about the pain that you suffer and he considers you of value and of worth. 
it says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. And this is Jesus himself speaking here. It says, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Aren't you worth more than the birds that fly around in the sky? Well, guess what? God thinks so. He thinks that you have value. He thinks that you have worth. And he thinks so much of you that he sent his son to die for you, to rescue you from your pain and suffering, to give you new hope, new life, and salvation. There's no one on earth that could convince me this, that God does not care for you. It also says in the scriptures, I haven't got this one written down, but it says that there's no greater love than this for one man to lay his life down for another. God loves us that much. He gives us promises all throughout the Bible. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says that in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Church, it's a promise that he will not turn his back on us. If we say to God, actually, I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling weary. If we come to him, he will give us rest. I've been speaking to Mike recently, and he's been very tired over the past uh, two or three weeks. He, they changed his, his medication, and he called the doctors. And when he called them, they said to him, we can't make a booking for you for about two weeks. So call up in the morning and say it's an emergency situation. And Mike just said to him, no, it's stupid. I'm just tired. It's not an emergency. Like, being tired isn't that important of a thing. But even God cares about the fact that we get tired. Even the little things in our life, he cares about. And he says, just come to me and I'll help you deal with that situation. And I just think it's so beautiful that that's the way that God cares for us. So, we know that God is compassionate. We know that God cares for us individually. And there's this last thing which I think is just a beautiful thing that we can cling to and that is this he is committed people in our life come and go and this can be a hard fact to face especially when it involves someone that you hold close maybe this is a person that you talk to on a regular basis and can ask for help in times of need or maybe it's just someone that when you spend time with them it just feels like all of those worries just disappear Either way, sometimes these people leave our lives. And this can be for whatever reason. Sometimes it can be people who move away to America, not mentioning any names, Liam. Um, there's also people who sometimes the people pass away in our lives. And maybe sometimes people who we consider to be mentors in our life, they have other obligations which begin to take over and they no longer have that time to spare for us. Whatever the reasons, we know that people are prone to letting us down, and equally, we let him down others. But don't you love the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? It says that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Another verse, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, says this, He will not leave you or forsake you. And in Numbers 23, verse 19, it says this, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Church, I can tell you this with 100% certainty this morning, that Jesus Christ is no liar. So I know that I have value. I know that each and every one of you has value as well. And guess what? He cares for you and me. Despite all the mess-ups that we make in our life, and no matter how many times we hurt Jesus, nothing you can do will change his mind about who he says you are. 
as we were singing earlier, nothing can separate us from that love. Even those times when we realize, I remember, remember Clive was speaking a few weeks ago. He was saying about, we, we see the thought coming to land. We see that thing that we know we shouldn't do coming to land. And sometimes we let it land. We let that thought land and we, we actually do the sin that, that is in our minds and in our hearts. And we know for, before we even do it, we know that that hurts God. We know that hurts Jesus and we do it anyway. And we hurt him all of the time, but he still says, there's nothing that you can do to change my love for you. In fact, he doesn't even just love us. He calls us his friend. In John 15, verse 15, it says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. And nothing that we can do will ever change that fact. If we have said to Jesus, actually, Jesus, I trust in you. I put my hope in you and I want to live my life for you. There's nothing that can pluck us from his hand. But there is a challenge that comes with this message this morning. And it says this in Psalm 37 verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. We know for a fact that Jesus is committed to us. We know that he has compassion for us and we know that he cares for us. But the question to you this morning is this. Are you committed to him? Will you turn to Jesus, our wonderful counsellor, in times of need? Are you going to let the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and guard your minds? And so there's one challenge that I really, really want to set for you this week. Something that I really encourage you to do. And if you've not done it before, it might feel weird. But it is something that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And actually it is so rewarding. And that is this. Make an appointment this week with Jesus. Sit down with him. Open your heart up to him and tell him what is going on in your life. Just be real with him. Tell him the problems that are going on. Tell him the things that you are struggling with. He already knows them, but he wants to hear you. He wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So we need to spend time with him. And trust me when I say this, there is no heartache that he cannot mend. And there is no problem that he cannot solve. Because Jesus Christ is King of Kings, he is Lord of Lords, he is above every power on this earth, and he is our wonderful counsellor. People in life turn to many different things, and I see it all the time. Sometimes people, they turn to their relationships, and maybe they start to feel lonely in the middle of the night, and so they start searching on all of those dating apps, Tinder, whatever else it might be, just trying to find someone that will give them attention so they can get rid of that loneliness. I actually watched a YouTube video about a week ago and it was saying about the fact that when we feel discomfort, we do something to try and get rid of that discomfort. And the more we do that, the more we just fall into that habit because we don't like feeling uncomfortable. But we choose things like seeking relationships or sometimes it's seeking things like drugs and alcohol that people seek just to feel something that is different to what they're feeling currently. Well, let me tell you this. Why not take it to Jesus? Why not take it to the foot of the cross? Why not lay it to his feet, to someone who can actually deal with it, to someone that can mend your heart, to someone that can fix the broken, and to someone who completely understands every single thing that you have gone through, because he has gone through it all himself. 
And I came into this with a lot of scepticism, trust me. I came into this when I was writing it down. I was saying, actually, the first question I had was when I was writing down, wait, did Jesus ever feel lonely? He was with God, right? That was the first thing that I said to myself. And I wanted to approach it with the same scepticism that anyone else might have. And so I did some research and actually it turns out, Jesus says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And then I was there like, what on earth does the word forsaken me? And then I started looking up that and the father turns his face away. Jesus has felt loneliness because he was completely alone after he died on that cross. And the father turned his face away. Even the things that I thought he wouldn't understand, he does. So trust me when I say that he completely understands everything that you're going through. And so are you going to do that this week? Are you going to set time aside to spend with Jesus Christ? Are you going to put time aside to tell him what is going on in your life? Are you going to seek Jesus Christ, our wonderful counsellor? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are God that cares for us. I thank you, God, that you have compassion on us. Not only do you sympathise and understand everything that goes on in our lives, God, you also have a desire to alleviate that problem and to make a change in our lives, God. And you only ask us to do one thing, and that is to commit our ways to you. Jesus, I pray as we go about our week that this message would just stick in our hearts, Lord, that we would trust in you and realise that you will act if we put our confidence in you, Lord, and that we can ask for that peace that transcends all understanding to guard our hearts, to guard our minds, God, as we go about our day. Jesus, I just pray that we wouldn't forget about you when we leave church, God. Because you're not just a God in a little matchbox that we can just pull out when we need a parking space, God. You want to know everything that is going on. You want us to welcome you into our homes, God. And I pray, Lord, that no longer will we just close that door in your face. You already know what's going on in our hearts, but you just want us to be real with you, Jesus. And I pray that we would be. I pray that we would just seek you with everything that we've got, Jesus. And that we would just really start to begin to understand that love that you have for us. Jesus, I thank you that you chose to die on that cross for me. Whilst I was still a sinner, whilst I was still messed up, Jesus. And I'm sorry that so many times when I do things wrong, and I know that I'm doing things wrong, Jesus, that I'm pretty much just mocking you whilst you're on that cross because I know what you've done for me, and yet I still continue to sin. Jesus, I pray that you would help me to stay out of that, that instead I would turn to you in those times of need, that I wouldn't seek to find other things in my loneliness, that I wouldn't seek to find other things in my hurt and in my pain and in my suffering, but God, that I would turn to you because Jesus Christ, I 100% believe it, that you are our wonderful counsellor. Thank you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.